Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Fascinating topic. John Lennon, JFK, these things are going to be discussed forever, aren't they, Sean? Yeah, whenever someone dies... And there's no certainty about well, it. AI is going to solve it, isn't it? We're just going to feed the information <laughs> to AI and then we're going to struggle for guests. AI is going to solve who killed Epstein. Yes, where's Madeleine McCann? All the big, yes, all yes. The big ones. Where's D.B. Cooper? AI is going to sort it out for us, yeah. All right, I'm moving over to hashtag Clinton body count now. <laughs> Christopher Hitchens did a great book on Bill Clinton. What was it called? No one left to lie to, all about his, <laughs> uh, his his sexual deviancy and some of the nefarious tactics he got up to. Highly recommended. Yeah, he went wild, uh, sexually assaulting people while coked up as the governor of the governor of um, Arkansas, where they were bringing drugs in with Barry Seal, and that we're going to get into all this stuff now with Jeremy. I uh, will see you later, Stephen. Have Cheers. a good one. Good night. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Jeremy, how's it going, my friend? Oh, good. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you. You're welcome. Now, do you want to just tell the viewers a little bit about what got you into the Clinton crime family? Uh, well, firstly, I did a book on Obama, uh, Obama's Unending Wars. Uh, uh, so uh, this is, in a way, a prequel uh, about the corruption in the Democratic Party and the you know, betrayal of any kind of liberal uh, uh, policies. And also, I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so it was easy for me to probe a bit into, you know, Clinton's tenure as governor. I was able to do research, you know, some of the libraries and meet some whistleblowers uh, living there. So, uh, yeah. Did you get a chance to talk to Larry Nichols before he died? No, unfortunately, I didn't. Okay, so who did you speak to? Uh, a primary person I spoke to was named Jean Duffy. Uh, she was the head of the Arkansas Drug Task Force uh, in the late 80s. And uh, basically, she was dissuaded in her investigations, and she was threatened personally because her investigations uh, were starting to lead to very high places and to a large-scale cover-up and was starting to uh, basically expose the MENA operation. And, you know, she was also, uh, you know, at the time of, the, I think you know the story, a lot of viewers may be aware of these, two boys who were killed uh it was claimed that they were run over by a train but really they were murdered because they had stumbled on some of these drug drops and she was involved in the investigation surrounding that and the drug traffic in that area selena county which is outside of little rock but you know she was exposing some corrupt people and, and corruption surrounding the mina drug smuggling into central america so they started threatening her and they uh <clears throat> They basically set her up. They had somebody write some bad checks, and they were trying to, you know, they forged her signature, make it look like she was embezzling money. And she said her life was threatened, and she had to leave the state. And she ended up moving to Houston, but and she uh, had to leave the legal profession. And she worked for years as a teacher, and now in retirement she's moved back, 
to the state and i i met with her recently so oh fantastic i would love to have uh interviewed jean duffy when i was researching my books on the clintons mm -hmm. and perhaps we could make that happen in the future now yeah. you mentioned the two kids you know uh, don henry and kevin ives did you um manage to make contact with any of their family members no, unfortunately, Linda Ives has passed away. She really oh, did traditional no. research. But she was very no. close with Jean Duffy. Yeah, she died last year of cancer. Oh. Yeah. Because she was and, hounding Bill Clinton to try and get an explanation of what happened to her son. And God bless her. She was doing such, you know, he'd be doing speeches and she'd show up and stuff like that. And I guess she she never got any kind of explanation from him then before she died. No, unfortunately, no. And, and she said, well, and they have set up a website. I'll, I'll send it to you. It's a wonderful website where they've uh, a lot of the research they carried out over the years, they've now put up on this website. And there's a lot of uh, articles and uh, a lot of things there. Uh, but yeah, she said, I mean, it went right up to Clinton that, you know, and, and I think there's a statement by her that, you know, Clinton may not have directly pulled the trigger, killed my son, but he was really behind it and the corrupt apparatus that led to her son's death and was involved in all these criminal schemes. And, and so many people died surrounding that case. A lot of witnesses were killed in that case. Uh, and in general, in the Mina affair, many people got killed so that the truth wouldn't come out until years later. So you mentioned Obama, you mentioned Clinton. What about the role of George H.W. Bush, Felix Rodriguez, um, you know, and all the other people that were operating in the CIA in the drug trafficking? Well, my Oliver, book... Oliver North, Oliver North. Yeah. Well, my book is uh, focused on Clinton's foreign policy, but the first few chapters go into his background and show how that period kind of set the groundwork for his presidency. And, you know, you get a good sense of his character and uh, sleaziness and corruption by looking at that period and how that plays out in his presidency where he did all kinds of nefarious things. Uh, so I don't go that much into the you know, Iran-Contra scandal. He has a massive scandal. I mean, I only look at the Arkansas connection in one of the chapters. Uh, but that, that was, I think, a crucial and really unknown to most of the public, I think, unknown as to how central Arkansas was to the whole Iran-Contra smuggling operation and how central you know, people associate with Reagan and that's, I think, my two studies put together. You know, you have so many people, especially who are liberal Democrats, who think all the problems in American politics emanate from, you know, Donald Trump, I guess what they call Trump derangement syndrome. And, mm -hmm. you know, that the Republicans are, are evil. But, I mean, if you spotlight the Democratic Party in the last generation, it's, it's very sinister and epitomized by Clinton and Obama. And yeah, the, the Democrat, and, you know, Clinton particularly was crucial, I think, in the whole Iran-Contra affair, because that Arkansas was really a hub. They were even training Contra operatives, and they would bring them to Arkansas, and they were carrying out training operations. And some of the top Contra leaders were actually in Arkansas for these training operations as part of this whole uh, process where they're smuggling drugs, making money off that, smuggling arms. And Mina, yeah, was a key key center and Arkansas in general. And, and Clinton was tied with the CIA going back to likely either uh, he was likely recruited when he was at Georgetown or uh, university or Oxford, where his roommate was Strobe Talbot, who came from a very elite, well-connected family. 
uh, and Talbot became the editor of Time magazine. And he was involved in the operation. I think Clinton was involved because they went to Russia when Clinton was a student. Him and Strobe Talbot went to Russia and they smuggled out the memoir of Nikita Khrushchev to translate them and to translate some of his speeches because Khrushchev you know, had denounced Stalin. So it was good for U.S. Cold War propaganda. So they wanted more of Khrushchev's speeches and uh, you know, memoirs and stuff like that. And Talbot was a Russian uh he studied Russian, I believe, and he knew the Russian language. So, but the two of them were close. Uh, so I think it was either through Strobe Talbot, he may have been, because Cord Meyer Jr. was a very well-known CIA operative. He admitted that uh, they said we recruited Clinton and he was, uh, you know, part of the big three bad letters, CIA. He kind of made a joke about it. But <laughs> so, so I, you know, it makes sense if you see how important Arkansas and Clinton was as the governor in uh, overseeing the MENA operation to arm the Contras. It fits with him being recruited years earlier as a Rhodes Scholar, where he was doing a lot of womanizing and partying. And actually, he never graduated. He was uh, charged with sexual assault, and he had to leave Oxford. So do you think that because he played ball with the importation of the cocaine into Arkansas with the CIA... And because he was so proven to be so corrupted, that that was why he was given the White House. I think so. It is alleged. And T Terry Reed was a, a CIA whistleblower who owned an aircraft uh, shop and aircraft maintenance, and some of his aircraft were used in the MENA smuggling operation. He was also recruited into it, and he wrote these tell-all uh, memoirs, and that's what he alleged that there was a meeting and that Bill Barr was there and William Casey and that they made some kind of agreement with Clinton that they would promote his career. Uh, now, it's hard to corroborate that story, but uh, it does have some plausibility given that other things that Reed said in his book can be confirmed and corroborated. So uh, it seems that mo even though the book was attacked and Reed was maligned in the media, uh, not surprisingly, and luckily he was never killed. He may have uh, had threats on his life, but uh, but there are a lot from his book that can be corroborated. So uh, not everything can be, but it would, it would make sense because how else does Clinton make it? I mean, he's the governor of a tiny state. Uh, his, his accomplishments were meager in the state. I mean, maybe he was good at public relation, but he was really not a very effective governor. Uh, a lot of people hated him. They, they saw through his deception. And, and if you in this area, the Clintons are really hated. And when Hillary ran for president, uh, you know, she fared very badly. Uh, you know, even I, I don't, I'd have to look at the numbers for Arkansas, but I know people I meet here in Oklahoma and Arkansas, they hate her. And there are people who are I've met who are well connected. We tell all kinds of stories about their corruption, and that's pretty well known among the population. So, uh, so how does he make it to the presidency? Um, you know, somebody powerful is, uh, is, is pushing him. I mean, he did have certain talents. He, um, that I don't, I think we don't see in a lot of leaders today. Like he was very, he's kind of very jovial personality and he can, uh, he could work a crowd very well. He could, he could work a crowd of different, uh, kind of audience. Like he can actually relate, which is, I think different from Hillary. You know, Hillary is very stiff and, I think a very poor politician, but Bill can work like he can relate to the regular people in Arkansas. But 
but I think they, they realized over time that he was just like a, a shyster. You know, he was calling them. He would say something, but he would never follow it through. <laughs> and like the people in the, in the labor unions really hated him. The, the head of the AFL-CAO in Arkansas like hated him and said, you know, we know Bill, we know what he's all about. And he's a con man. And, you know, he's promised us thing that he never delivers. And he was really only delivering for the bigwigs in the state, Walmart, Tyson Chicken, uh, and, you know, the big investment houses, Little Rocks, uh, Stevens. And, uh, but he, he, you know, he could give a good speech. And like, when you meet him or when you hear him, you feel like he's with you. if you're just the average person, uh, or like the labor unions. So he, he's very good, I guess, used car salesman that way. But, but on the other hand, he wasn't that popular that he would make it to the presidency unless somebody very powerful was pushing him. So you said you heard some stories of the corruption. We've talked about Bill Clinton stories. What about Hillary uh, corruption stories? Well, I think Hillary played a central role in a lot of the mon- money laundering associated with Amina because of uh, her role as a partner in the Rose Law Firm, which is a very crucial law firm that represented a lot of Bill's uh, you know, uh, top donors, including like the names I was mentioning, because Arkansas, yeah, there are a few major companies that dominate the state and Walmart, you know, huge companies, Walmart, Tyson Chicken, uh, the Stevens Investment House. And, and, and this was owned by Jackson Stevens. <clears throat> and he's Stevens is a key figure, like he's involved in all kinds of shadow banking operations, including like BCCI, which is how the CIA laundered a lot of their money. And he set up this company systematics um, that was involved in all kinds of like surveillance and data, uh, electronic surveillance. So he's really a, a CIA connected guy. But, you know, Hillary Clinton was representing him and the Rose Law Firm. That was a law firm. And then with Amina. Yeah, that I mean, um, you know, they laundered a lot of the money in Arkansas banks. And I think she uh, and her law firm were involved in assisting those money laundering operations. And of course, there's the whole Whitewater affair, which is, uh, I guess, separate. But they were, you know, involved with these land deals. But they're very corrupt deals, uh, and it was used as a mechanism for base for you know paying bribes and uh, for for um, fundraising for the Clinton election campaign. You know, and Hillary helped with a lot of the paperwork, and there were a lot of. I think illegal things she was doing in all that. Um, and, uh, you know, there was other thing like cattle trading. She was involved. It was basically a bribe. Like they, they had her invest in the cattle trading market, but she was a novice. So she had somebody doing it for her. And miraculously, like she made huge gains that even though the season experts in that area never made that much money. And she like miraculously made, made thousands of dollars off a tiny investment and it was really a bribe by Tyson Chicken, and, uh, uh, and it was all you know rigged in her favor. So there was all these kind of corrupt things going on there. And, yeah, she was really central, I think, in managing a lot of Bill's career because the impression you get in reading a lot of the literature that I know you're familiar with in, in your book is that he was really like a party guy, and, you know, maybe he was charismatic, but he wasn't particularly well organized. And, you know, he, he had this extracurricular life that was a potentially a huge embarrassment. So she was trying to keep him in line and she was really managing everything. And she was the kind of, I think, of the two, the most Machiavellian. 
And like the people around the governor's mansion said that they referred to her as like the devil. Like she was just like this evil driven woman, somebody out of a no, you know, a historical novel uh, where you read about these you know, power hungry people. Uh, and she had no human empathy for, for anybody uh, unless it benefited their career. And yeah, ultimately, you know, they sold uh, Jim McDougal was involved in the whitewater. You know, he was with them from the beginning. And he was their close friend and investor in the Whitewater land deal, but they sold him under the bus and he was sent to prison for a long period. And it's alleged he may have been murdered in prison. Uh, and they, and like he, I, I read his memoir, he said, you know, the Clintons are the most phony people and they only care about advancing their career. And they, they, they'll just, you know, discard you once you're, uh, you know, you've, you've served the utility for them. They'll, they'll discard you and let you rot, uh, which is what they did to him. So. so researching this then, how many people do you suspect the deaths were associated with the Clintons? Well, it's hard, I don't know for sure. You know, it's hard to corroborate, but the one, uh, one that looks pretty clear with Jerry Parks, which you may know this case, like he was really on to the MENA, uh, he had been a pro, uh, investigator. He'd been with the, I think, um, I forget if he was with the Arkansas State Police or he may have been privately at one point hired by the Clintons. But he had uh, had a lot of information about the MENA affair and cover up. And his wife had actually uh, ran an apartment complex where Roger Clinton, the brother, had rented an apartment and they were having all these kind of drug sex orgies with Bill. Um, so the, the, the two knew a lot. And then he turned up dead, you know, I think he was threatening to expose some, uh, uh, some of that. And this was like towards, towards Bill's run for the presidency. So they couldn't leave any stones unturned. And, you know, he died, like he was shot in like a mafia style hit. I think he was like driving his car and like assassins pulled up next to him and just murdered him in daylight. Uh, so that, that case seems very clear cut. Uh, there are other cases where, like, uh, women were threatened. One, I think, even had, like, a, I don't know, she was beaten up outside her home and, like, had, like, her dog killed. And then her husband died in mysterious suicide. You know, one of the women who was accusing him of sexual assault. Um, so, um, you know, I haven't investigated all of these cases. And, I, you know, there are people who may know have more insider information than me, but a few that I've looked into in some depth, like the Jerry Parks, it appears hard to deny that Clinton's behind it. You know, and then there's the Mark Middleton, the recent case of Mark Middleton, who I think you know well about how he was the one, you know, the liaison with Jeffrey Epstein. And he also, I think, had been uh, Clinton's, uh, you know, managed some of the finances of some of his campaign. Because I think there were a lot of campaign finance violations. Uh, and there were possibly foreign elements funding Clinton's campaigns uh, that amounted to treason. And I think Middleton knew all about that. And then, you know, they claimed he committed suicide, but he had like five gunshots. Uh, so you can't commit suicide in that way. So so there's a, of these. It's, it seems pretty obvious. Did you ever look at the role of Fami Malik in covering these up, the medical examiner? Yes. Yeah. And Jean Duffy. And yeah, uh, she may be able to come on the show. She's still uh, in good health and stuff. Yeah, she knows a lot about him, and yeah, he was really corrupt. Hmm. He was this medical examiner, and uh, he protected Clinton and his mother because his mother was a nurse, 
And yeah, apparently his mother drank a lot and liked to go, uh, you know, to the horse, uh, watch the horse races with this guy, Dan Lassiter, who was one of Clinton's big donors and was also a big time drug trafficker. And, you know, they're from Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is like a party. It's like the Las Vegas uh, of the Midwest. And there are all these casinos and bordellos. And uh, so I think his mother lived that kind of lifestyle. And, yeah, she wasn't much of a nurse from what I gather because some of her patients were dying because of her negligence. And two, yeah, died because she misapplied the breathing tube. And she was, you know, should have been disbarred or, you know, faced possibly criminal charges. But Fami Malak was the medical examiner, and he basically doctored the records to protect uh, Virginia Kelly, Clinton's mother. And I guess Clinton always was loyal to him since that time, and I guess used him to cover up all these crimes. And in the case of the boys on the tracks, they, you know, he reported that they smoked like 20 marijuana joints and they were delusional and they, they went on the tracks. But then I think uh, there were, an independent investigation found that they had only smoked one joint and that the cause of death was blunt force trauma of the head. So he was just um, completely covering it up. And there were many deaths that he covered up. Like he just, uh, he was a combination of, in some cases, I think he was incompetent. And other cases, just political cover-ups. But Clinton kept him. Uh, you know, you know Clinton's corrupt because he had many opportunities to remove him, but he kept him and protected him. And I think he even lobbied for him. And, uh, and there's evidence that he was even paying money and uh, trying to um, discredit anybody who was um, who was trying to have him removed. So, yeah, that was one of Linda Ives's objections. Mm-hmm. Um, that Clinton never responded to. So yeah. how deep then do you think that the Clintons were involved with Epstein? Uh, I'm not an expert on that. Uh, I, you may know more than me about that. I mean, it seems clear that uh, they were very, very close. I mean, he said, you know, he referred to him as like a brother. I mean, my understanding is that Epstein was running con- some kind of CIA blackmail operation and he was trying to get information because he had video cameras everywhere. Uh, so, you know, I don't know exactly how what his arrangement w- was with Clinton, if they were using those tapes for future possible blackmail, or if Clinton was just in league with Epstein. I, I, I don't know about that. But I know Clinton was, you know, and he it, from the beginning, he led this kind of lifestyle, uh, well, I mean, going beyond just somebody who likes to party and have a, uh, different women to actually, you know, assaulting the women and, you know, going with underage girls. So, I mean, Epstein seems like, you know, his kind of guy, sadly. And I think the sad thing is that these kind of people are, are leading our country and, you know, they're in such high profile position of so much responsibility and they're the worst, most immoral kind of people and that they, they think nothing of you know going and abusing underage girls uh as well as you know i mean you can you know it's not good if somebody has affairs on their wife it's bad but like it doesn't necessarily you know i mean discredit them you know you know say he's a horrible human being if he had a few affairs but if it's a guy who's raping women and going with 15 year old girls or a 16 year old girl it's just disgusting and they should be in jail 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What about then the... Um you're talking about, you know, your expertise is the war on drugs. The arrest of Roger Clinton by the cop with doing the cocaine transaction. Yeah, I think, you know, Clinton got off, you know, it showed the hypocrisy of the war on drugs. You know, can compare like Roger Clinton and Hunter Biden. These guys are big time, you know, uh, drug. Well, Roger Clinton was a big time drugs dealer. And he played in a rock band, and I think the band's name was even Dealer's Choice, and he was quite, kind of out in the open about it. And he worked for Dan Lasseter, who was one of Clinton's biggest donors, and he was key to the whole money laundering uh, aspect of the MENA drug operation. Um, and he owned a ranch in New Mexico that was thought to be a major uh, drug smuggling front. Uh, and this was a guy Roger Clinton was working for and was – Clinton's biggest donor and friend and Lasseter was also friends with Clinton apparently met Lasseter through his mother because they used to attend the horse horse racing in hot springs together uh, so that's the kind of milieu Clinton was in and Roger yeah was a big time you know cocaine trafficker and he was in league I think with the Colombian drug cartels but then he got like a, a slap on the wrist and so did Lasseter like Roger Clinton eventually was arrested and, you know, so blatant, uh, although Clinton wasn't touched because I think some of the tapes they had Clinton, like Roger was talking about his brother. He's like, my brother has a nose like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> but, you know, Bill never got uh, was untouchable. But Roger got arrested, but then they gave him like a one year prison sentence. And I mean, think about all the, you know, the black men that they threw in jail for 30, 40 years on the draconian drug law. They completely ruined their lives. And this guy gets like one year in a country club prison and he gets out and he has all the opportunity in the world because of who his brother's in. So it's practically nothing for him, uh, considering the magnitude of what he was doing. And the same for Dan Laster. Laster was eventually busted, but he got a very short sentence. And then Clinton pardoned him as one of his uh, acts as a governor. He pardoned Laster. So. And Laster went on making big money after that. So uh, it, it, again, shows the double standard. And the irony is that Clinton was a law and order hawk. And, you know, he he bragged about how he expanded the drug war in Arkansas and put in harsher sentences. And he devoted all these resources to fighting, like even marijuana. He was enlisting the Arkansas National Guard to destroy marijuana plants and giving very long sentences uh, and the prison population increased and the prison condition worsened when Clinton was the governor. And that sent the groundwork for, you know, when he was um, president, 
there was a quote from a um, sociologist who said, you know, Clinton's drug war made Reagan's look like the minor leagues. And I mean, Reagan was the big drug war guru who expanded it to massive levels from Nixon. But uh, if you look at the money that Clinton devoted to the war on drugs, it was like twice that of Reagan. And he he appointed Barry McCaffrey as his drug czar, who was this four-star general. And that was a sign, you know, he was going to be tough on drugs. And he passed all these crime bills that uh, imposed very long sentencing standards, you know, mandatory minimums and three strikes and you're out. And it led to vast overcrowding in the prison system. And again, it's mostly like the smaller time drug dealers or just drug addicts or people down their luck who got caught in net and are, have filled America's jails for years and had their lives ruined. Well, these kind of people, yeah, because Joe Biden wrote a lot of the harsh legislation in the 80s and 90s. And we saw, you know, it's been exposed how uh, his son Hunter was involved in, in, in big time in drugs. And the evidence that came from the laptop should have put him away for years based on the laws Joe Biden had written. But as the president's son, he gets off scot-free, just like Roger Clinton. And that's why Americans hate their politician, because they see this hypocrisy and double standards and immorality. And it is disgusting, really. I mean, and hundreds of thousands of low-level, nonviolent drug offenders and a record amount of women were incarcerated by Bill Clinton under his re uh, regimen. But not only did they put them in prison, they found ways to make money out of them when they were in prison. Did you research the blood, the tainted blood scandal in Arkansas? Yeah, I came across that. Yeah, they were selling like blood with uh, uh, HIV and other diseases and they, were, they weren't screening it at all. The, the prisons were ju it was just, the conditions are like third world conditions. Um, and, you know, you had almost like a feudal structure in the state, you know, going back to Reconstruction era or Civil War that never really changed, where the African-American population, you know, were treated as slaves and, um, you know, third-class citizens. And the public institutions were totally underfunded and corrupt. And the jails, yeah, were just uh, horribly run. And there were horrible abuses that went on there. And Clinton did nothing to clean that up. You know, he was busy... Um, doing what he, he was busy running the drug trade out of Mina and having his affairs. And you know, he, he was using his uh, police uh, protection as pimps to pick out women for him wherever he went. And that's what he was spending his time doing. And, you know, he had, he was not doing what a governor should have tried to do, who was earnest and try and work to try and reform the prison system and improve conditions and get rid of some of the corrupt wardens. But a lot of those were his cronies, uh, and, you know, he used them to sustain his power so he would never remove them. I can't remember the guy's name, but even the prosecutor that they assigned on, um, I think, with the Linda Ives case, he ended up getting indicted himself. Dan Run Harmon? Dan, Dan, yeah, Dan. Yeah, you know, he, it, died, yeah. He, died, uh, he's, he died like two months ago. Did he? he? Another one died. Yeah, he just died. But he went to prison for like 10 years. And then when he came out, he was like, uh, uh, yeah, Gene told me he went to, uh, uh, I think he was like paying women, like if they would uh, lift their shirts and he would give them some money and drugs or something. But he was a really corrupt yeah, sleaze bag. And uh, these are the kinds of people in position of authority. 
who were involved in the mean and drug smuggling. And he, he was implicated by Linda Ives in the murder of those two boys. If he didn't directly pull the trigger, he, uh, he oversaw it on that night. And I think he was overseeing the, the drug drops because that was a zone for drug drop. Like they would drop the drugs and they would be picked up and taken over to Mina and then flown out in Seal's planes. And that continued even after Seal was murdered. And yeah, eventually Harmon went to jail because uh, he was so egregiously corrupt that uh, at some point he got caught. But he was able to, this was only like some year, quite some years later, he his corrupt practices went on for, for quite a long time. It's interesting to hear from you what's happened to these people. There was a female, she was like a party girl, and she blew the whistle, and then she ended yeah. up getting this massive sentence. Do you know what? Do you remember yeah, what happened Charlotte to her? Wilson. Yeah, Charlotte, that's it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you, I'll, I'll send you the link to this website. Maybe you can send yeah. it to viewers if they're interested. Yeah, uh, Charlene, um, she got out of prison eventually. Yeah, because she was, I think, with Harmon on that night, and she didn't leave the car, but she had information about the murders. So then he threatened her. And yeah, he gave her like a 30-year prison sentence. I think she got out early. From what Jean told me, she got out early and was able to resume a, a normal life. And I think she had a daughter or something. And uh, she ended up okay, although she was scarred by all the corruption she had witnessed and kind of haunted by it. And uh, I think she's doing okay now. Oh, well, thank goodness for that because yeah. she, should, she shouldn't have been doing a day in jail, but... She had done a long time, I think, uh, last time I she looked. She had a very long sentence, and she served part of it, but she may have been able to get out a bit early after Harmon was put in jail. Wow. So how do these people sleep at nights, Jeremy, to be able to do drugs, rape women, have a immunity, and then get in power and put people away for decades for the very same acts they're committing themselves? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what goes through their head. Uh, you know, they're out for power, money. Um, I don't know. They're they're sociopaths, I guess. There are many out there who only think of themselves and their own personal advancement or pleasure. Um, you know, I think the mentality of some world leaders is that, uh, you know, it's all kind of divine destiny and that they're going to lead the nation and they made a mark on history. So all this doesn't matter, you know. That was what they had to do to get in power and stay in power. I think you have that kind of mindset. But I think a lot of these people are, are sociopathic at the top of our society. And we're seeing that with the kind of policies even going on now. They have no compunction about provoking wars, pro provoking potential nuclear war. Uh, and these wars are killing thousands of people. And, I mean, they could a lot of them could have very easily been prevented. But they deliberately uh, want to go forward with that war. So, I mean, it's only really a sociopath who has no concern about the human life or doesn't try and stop a war. Uh, so I, I think it's the same kind of person who just, uh, you know, only cares about himself and doesn't care, has no empathy for other human beings. So are these guys owned then by the military-industrial complex, big pharma, et cetera? Is there so much money at stake they're getting paid off just to do whatever these big entities demand of them yeah and that's what i see i mean they're not much different republican or democrat or you know liberal i mean in theory the liberal you know if you go back to the new deal in american history uh 
uh, you know, I guess you can compare the Labour Party in Britain. I mean, they were trying to stand up to the corporations, and under the New Deal, there were some strong regulation that came in place or higher taxation uh, on the wealthy and more social programs. But, you know, Clinton was a new Democrat who basically uh, conceded that the you know, New Deal was over and that the Democrats should court the big corporations. And that was the only way they can compete with the Republicans. They had to get that big money. And so he basically abandoned any liberal reforms. And the people in Arkansas, you know, like what I was saying, the labor, leader, labor leaders in Arkansas learned very quickly that Clinton was not on their side, although he could give a nice speech and claim to be for labor rights. Um, he sold them out to dry uh, time and time again in Arkansas. And, and the leader, his name was Bill Becker. He said, you know, Clinton will pat you on the back and then piss down your legs. So that's the kind of guy he is. And, you know, he just b betrayed the labor movement and that what the Democratic Party has done in the United States writ large under Clinton, under Obama. And, yeah, they raked in huge cash from the big corporations and they're governing ultimately in the interest of those corporations. And that's what's leading us into very dangerous uh, policies and into to totalitarianism, essentially. So what's the trajectory of the war on drugs from here? Because we saw the legalization and decriminalization of weed over there. We have seen the militarization of the police. Has there been a backlash because they went to such an extreme, you know, with the utter hypocrisy? Or is the old guard still trying to maintain the status quo? Well, I think, yeah, properly the policy has been discredited. Uh Many people do want reform. You know, some small reforms have come in place, like medical marijuana. But I, I think, and there's some loosening of drug laws, particularly related to marijuana. And I think uh, there's some loosening with like LSD, uh, as far as research that they're allowed to do with it. But um, I think it's it became a big business. So even if, uh, if people realize it's not a good policy, uh, it's just a huge money-making machine that you can't stop because uh, there's just so much money to be made on the enforcement end. I mean, the police, and then, you know, you have the police lobbies and, uh, you know, they become a powerful lobby block that, uh, you know, they can, they benefit from more funding uh, if the war on drugs is in place. And then there's all the, you know, the, it's a, a, you know, it's a way to fund more military. I mean, a lot of the police are so heavily militarized and they're getting, equipment from the Pentagon. So it's a boondoggle, you know, for the military industrial complex. And by beefing up the border, that's a huge, you know, huge investment in military, military and militarism there. Uh, so, and then the money from drug, I mean, they don't really want to stop it because, you know, the drugs are, you know, helping to sustain economies and, you know, drug traffickers launder their money in banks and, uh, you know, if they really wanted to crack down on it, that they can go after money laundering banks, but they don't do that. And, you know, the banks are also funding the politicians. So it's a vicious cycle that's very hard to break. And yeah, I think there's too many people making too much money off it to see real change. I think we'll see some small changes and small measures just to try and give the appearance that they're doing something because the public really sees through it and doesn't want it perpetuated. But like an American city also gives an excuse to jail, you know, people like in the black community or, you know, the dangerous classes, uh, they get them off the streets, which I think the upper class doesn't really have a problem with. So they don't protest too hard, you know. 
when you're researching all this stuff then about the Clintons and their absolute power and that you know immunity from prosecution did you ever find a role of secret societies in this like the Freemasons or the Skull and Bones Trilateral Commission etc um i didn't i'm not too sure about that the trilateral commission well i know that was very prevalent with jimmy carter and his administration brzezinski uh you do find connections among the different administrations i believe clinton was connected with the trilateral commission in fact nafta from my understanding uh um nafta was first developed by the north american free trade agreement which was a signature clinton policy and one reason he's so hated in the state of arkansas and midwest because it resulted in so many uh, you know factories moving made it much easier for them to move into mexico or other countries but that was developed uh by the trilateral commission the idea for that and i believe clinton was part of the trilateral commission and I, I, he may have given speeches and introduced blueprints of it when he was the you know back in like the early 80s or late 70s. So, and yeah, I think Clinton was part of that wing in the Democratic Party that was tied with the uh, the Trilateral Commission. I know he was very close with Pamela Harriman, who was like a big donor. You know, she was uh, her husband Avril Harriman was a prominent diplomat who's known as one of the fathers of the Cold War. And his father was E.H. Harriman, who's uh, one of the um, so-called robber barons. They were major owner in the railroad corporation, the E.H. Harriman Company. And then Harriman became uh, owned the uh, Harriman Investment Bank and Brown, Brown Brothers Harriman. And they also had connections with Nazi Germany. You know, they helped to finance Hitler. So Pamela, you know, Clinton was close with Pamela Harris, uh, Harriman. And yeah, he cultivated these. So. Yeah, I don't know as much about secret society, but I do see these kind of elite networks. And he was also connected with Winthrop Rockefeller, who was the governor. You know, he's part of the Rockefeller dynasty. And he moved to Arkansas in the 50s and became governor. And his best friend from the military in World War II happened to be a cousin of, of Clinton and was like his mother's, a very close cousin of his mother. And I think Clinton, as a, a young man, may have been groomed by Winston Rockefeller. So uh, the Rockefeller dynasty. So th those connections I can see. Yeah. Secret societies I don't know as much about. What do you make of George H.W. Bush Sr. voting for Hillary Clinton when she, when she was up against Trump, uh, who was a re fellow Republican? Well, I think Trump, uh, you know, alienated some of the traditional Republican because he was all over the map politically and maybe he wasn't as suave uh, as what they would like in a leader. And yeah, I, I think it also shows how far to the right the Democrats moved and the Clintons were, that they would attract a lot of Republicans, because really the Democrats became what Republicans were, you know, the, the moderate Republican of a, an Eisenhower and a George H.W. Bush, who didn't want to totally eviscerate the New Deal, but uh, embrace, you know, pretty strongly conservative economic policies as well as uh, militaristic and aggressive foreign policy to support you know american uh, uh, military power around the world and that's really where the democratic party moved you know from the, the democrats of, of mcgovern you know, uh, the democrats of the new deal era and the democrat mcgovern you know and clinton worked for the mcgovern campaign but you know he saw that mcgovern was defeated and i guess they felt that 
those kind of more left-wing policies and more pacifistic policies because McGovern had called for Come Home America. Uh, that was one of his campaign slogans. He would end the war in Vietnam and you know, bring troops home and close down overseas bases and focus on rebuilding American society. But I guess the Clintons saw that as a losing formula politically, and so they really catered to, they, they moved the party uh, more to the right as such that a, a moderate Republican from the 70s or 80s would feel comfortable in, in the Democrats. Well, this has been absolutely fascinating, Jeremy. Do you want to tell the viewers where they can find you and support you? Uh, sure. I have a website at jeremykuzmarov.com. And I also uh, write articles for Covert Action Magazine, www.covertactionmagazine.com. And my book that will be coming out soon is called Warmonger, uh, how Bill Clinton shaped the U.S. foreign policy trajectory uh, through George Bush and, and Joe Biden. And that's with Clarity Press. And you can find it on Amazon as well. Thank you. I'm sure Ash has put the links in the description box below. So please support Jeremy and check out the book. Huge thank you for spending time with us. You take care, my friend. You too. It's been great. Cheers. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.